grab your message notes. We're in week number three of a four-part series we're calling Rhythm. The word rhythm simply means this, a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. So, so a rhythm is something that consistently, consistently happens. And in the big idea of this series, if you're taking notes, is simply this, is that we are a result of our rhythms. So, so we all have a rhythm to the way that we live our lives. Maybe you, it, whether you're musical or not, your body is rhythmic. Your heart is rhythmic. Your, your, our, our world is rhythmic. Uh, that, that there's an eclipse that's going to take place that we know. Why? Because there's a rhythm to it. That The way that God orchestrated the universe. And, and, and we are the way we are because of our rhythm. So your family, your, your, your health, your, your career, every, it is what it is. And it's becoming what it's becoming because of our rhythm. So what are our rhythms? And, and how do we get the right rhythms in our life? And, and the reality is that God offers us some right rhythms. And each week we're looking at this verse from Matthew chapter 11 that's talking about a rhythm that Jesus offers us. And, and read it with me. It simply says this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The emphasis I want to make today is on that word learn. That there's a rhythm of grace. There are different rhythms of grace that God gives us, but we got to learn it. Like you wouldn't say learn it if we just naturally learned it. Uh, that that you, there, there's, there's, some, there's some action that we need to take so that we can learn some things. And, and God's a good father. And he wants to teach us some things. And all the parents in the house, you know what it's like to explain some things to your kids, right? You, it, you just let, it, let, let them naturally go. It's not going to go to a positive place. But, there's, but, but God can teach us and God can train us and we can learn some rhythm. So, so what's the rhythm that we're going to talk about today? Here's rhythm number three that I want to talk to today. And it has the power to change every other rhythm. It's so powerful. Here it is. Rhythm number three. Choose my relationships carefully. Choose my relationships carefully. Because here's the reality. You are who you are today. And you're, you're becoming the person that you're becoming today because of the relationships that are in your life. The, the relational decisions that you'll make are the most important decisions of your life. If I could say it this way, the, the relational rhythms of your life are the most important decisions that you'll ever make. Because show me your friends, I'll show you your future. I was a youth pastor for 12 years before moving to Knoxville. And if I had a dollar for every time I've made that statement, I'd be a very wealthy man. Because... So many times as a youth pastor, you see these students that are just so full of potential. And then they start getting in relationship with people that you just, you just want to get a megaphone and just tell them as loud as you can that that relationship is never going to allow you to get to the potential that God has for your life. And, and, and what I've learned is it's the same for us as we get older. That we never reach an age where we're not developed deep, we're not developed deeply, impacted deeply by the people we allow to surround us and speak into our lives. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 19. I love this. God's word says, A mirror reflects a man's face, but if you want to see what he's really like, what he's really like 
is shown by the kinds of friends that he chooses. That's powerful. That is so powerful. That, that you can naturally just look at somebody all day, but if you really want to know what's in their heart, if you really want to know where they're going, you really want to know someone's potential, you need to look at the company that they keep. You need to look at their relationship rhythms, like what they consistently do, that that will define their life, and that really defines our future. So I want to talk about four verbs today that will help us get in some right rhythms with our relationship, not just a one-time thing. Uh, but, but something that, that becomes a part of our daily life and part of our journey when it comes to relationships. Here's the first one, that we need to nurture important relationships. So nurture my important relationships. We all have these important relationships in our lives with our family, with our kids, with our God, and w- with our spouses, if you're married. And, and we have these important relationships. And the reality is this, that your relationship is not in its condition because of the relationship. You're, it's, not, you're, you're, it's not in a bad condition because it's a bad relationship. It's in a bad condition because it's a, you're in a bad rhythm. Okay, so some people say that are married. They say, you know what? I'm just in a bad marriage. And I'll say, no, you're in a bad rhythm. Because the rhythm will define the relationship. You find a couple that are vibrant, still in love, married 40, 50, 60 years. You'll find whether they realize it or not, there's been some positive rhythms. It's not just that they won the relational lottery, but it's that there's a rhythm that goes to the way that they do their life. And that rhythm is a rhythm of health. That rhythm is a rhythm of grace. And it's something that changes them. It's the rhythm that makes the difference. It's not a bad relationship, it's a bad rhythm. So it'd be like this. It'd be like if we were going over, you went over somebody's house in the middle of wintertime, snow coming down, it's freezing outside and their heater's broke. You walk in and you're like, hey, um, you walk in and in the living room you see this massive fireplace. You're like, what's up? Like, where's the fire? It's freezing in here. Like, where's the fire? And they say, well, a couple years ago, The fire was there, but the fire went out. And you know what? I just, I think I just got a bad fireplace. You know, I think, matter of fact, I think I'm going to get rid of this fireplace. I'm just going to get another fireplace. Because it's it's the fireplace, the reason I don't have the fire. And you look at them and be like, like, are you okay? Is everything all right with you? Because you'd understand that it has nothing to do with the fireplace has everything to do with what you're doing in the fireplace. Like, like what's, is, there any, is there any fire in the fireplace? Is the fire being built in the fireplace, right? Not just about the fireplace. But, but if you have a fireplace or if you've had a fireplace, how many grew up with a fireplace? Well, then you were probably the person that went out, got the wood, cut the wood, set it out, make sure it was dry, all the different things, clean out the fireplace. You understand that having a fire requires work, Amen. It's not a bad fireplace because it requires work. Because here's the deal. The warmth is always worth the work. The warmth is always worth the work. Look at your neighbor and say, the warmth is worth the work. (laughs) Every relationship, every relationship is not going to ever go to a positive place unless you're putting some things on the fire. 
Your relationship with God, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your spouse. If you don't put any log on the fireplace, if you're not nurturing and cleaning and working on this relationship, nurturing, it's never going to take you to a positive place. The warmth is worth the work. And I have some hope for you today. Here's the reality. It is more difficult to start a fire where the fire has went out. But it is possible. It's a lot easier to nurture a fire that's already happening, but it is possible for where the fire's gone out for there to be a new fire. And I want to just I want to speak some life into some marriages today. I've been burdened all week reading these different requests and prayer requests. I want to say that it's not over in the name of Jesus. Our culture, you don't have to be the statistic if you're in this place and there's a there's brokenness, there's difficulty happening right now. I just want to bring some hope that there is hope for your relationships. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded, self-controlled so that you can pray. And above all, why don't you say that with me? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Man, nurture those important relationships. I just want to get really practical and specifically with those that are, that are currently married right now. Because I think there's so much culturally that's just coming against this concept and idea of what it means to uh, nurture these relationships. Here's one of the greatest ways we nurture a relationship, if you're married, is we nurture a relationship by speaking our spouse's love language. And it's just that. It's a language. And, what I prob- what, and, and it's probably, their language is probably the exact opposite of your language. What I like to say is that when you're dating, opposites attract, but whenever you're married, opposites attack. You know what I'm saying? Why? Because you married your opposite. Could it be because God knew you would need your opposite? If you love gifts, they probably don't. If you're a quality time kind of person, they probably are a loner. If you love words of affirmation, they probably are quiet and don't like to talk or... or if you love acts of service, they probably, you know, could care less. If you love touch, they probably say, get away from me. <laughs> Why? Because we naturally speak the love language that we, that we naturally speak our own love language, which makes sense. I speak English um, because I grew up speaking English, because it's my language, right? But, but if I'm going to speak someone else's language, it's not going to be something that comes natural. And here's the reality, married folks, those of us in this house, you're never going to be able to truly share love with your opposite unless you take the time to learn their language. Here's, it's just like a language. Like, no one's going to wake up tomorrow knowing a language you didn't know today. Nobody. Nobody's going to like wake up tomorrow and it's like, Portuguese, I know it. <laughs> Nobody does that. Why? Because learning a language takes time. Learning a language takes investment. you got to read books. You have to listen to audio. You have, like, you have to immerse yourself. You have to be intentional. You have to schedule it. It takes time. It takes a process. And you'll find if you're going to nurture those important relationships, you have to be willing to take the time to learn their language and to make it a rhythm of your life. 
And, and so here's the deal. Or what's the rhythm of you nurturing your relationship? What's the rhythm of you speaking that language? My, my, my wife loves gifts. That's not really on the top of my list. I love words of affirmation. That's not the top of her list. So what happens? She's always getting me things, and I'm like, well, thank you. You know, it's great. I'm always saying, you're amazing. You're so awesome. You, you know, you're so beautiful. And she's like, thank you. And, 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 and neither one of us are receiving the love because we're just speaking our own love language. But, 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 she, knows how, but she, she, she knows how to speak my love language much better. She is much better at this than I am. But, but what, what I'm learning to do is I'm learning to speak the language that's not naturally for me. So she loves gifts. So I'll go and, and I'm giving my strategy away today. So, but I'll go out and I'll get three or four gifts and I'll just hide them around the house. And I, I, don't, I don't dump them all at one time, everybody. I, I, it's like a time release. You think I'm joking too. And so I plan... Days throughout the week that on this morning or this evening or this time, I'm going to surprise her with the gift. Why? Because it's not my natural language, but I know it means the world to her. It's the way that I show that I was thinking about her and caring about her. So I'll, I'll, I'll go out of my way to try to speak a language that's not my own. Because, guys, here's the deal. Motion creates emotion. You don't get anything out of this message today about nurturing relationships. It's so powerful. Motion creates emotion. A lot of times we don't do the motion because we don't feel it. I'm not in love anymore. As if love's a feeling. Love's not a feeling. Love's a choice. Because when you choose to love someone, the feelings follow you. Here's the reality. Whenever I'm going about my day and I say, you know, I love my wife so much. I could, I could give her a call and say how amazing she is, but that'd be speaking my love language. So I'll go, and I'll get her, I'll, I'm not breaking the bank, but I'll just get something simple, and I'll, 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 because she loves gifts, and I'll get something simple. And, and you know what? Whenever I go out of my way to speak her language, I feel love. I feel love for her. And that motion of speaking her love language, am I helping anybody today? I just wanted to teach a little bit. That motion of, uh, of speaking that language creates an emotion in me. Choices lead and feelings follow. So what's the rhythm? Do you have a date night? Do you have a consistent rhythm of what you do? Because your relationship will never drift toward health ever. Here's the second one. Restore my broken relationships. Restore my broken relationships. Maybe there are some relationships in your life, people that have hurt you, and, and it's broken, and it's hurtful, and it's harmful, and you're, you, you, you can't step into your destiny because you're constantly in this rhythm of always focusing on the bitterness of what they did to you. That's why Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Why did God put that in there? I believe He put it because He knew we'd need it. He knew we'd need an encouragement to let go of some things. And then he gives us the highest height of why we forgive. He says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So in other words, you don't forgive that person because they deserve it. You forgive them because you didn't deserve forgiveness. You forgive them because God forgave you, not because they deserve it. I want to say a couple things. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness doesn't mean you just stay and let people walk over you. But forgiveness doesn't mean they're right. Forgiveness means you're free. 
Forgiveness means I'm setting them free in the name of Jesus. I release them, and you may have to do it by faith. And again, choices lead, feelings follow. So just because you don't feel like you're forgiving does not mean you aren't. Go ahead right now today and say, I forgive them by faith in the name of Jesus. And you continue to do that. You be a part of this 21 days of prayer, and God will begin to break away some of these things, some of these wrong rhythms of lies. See, Jesus put, the, Jesus put forgiveness in the Lord's prayer which I believe is the daily prayer of the believer. Why? Why did he put forgiveness in the seven topics of the Lord's Prayer? Because I believe he knew we needed to make it a rhythm of forgiving people every single day. Not just when people hurt us, but every single day. I forgive people in advance, everybody. During 21 days of prayer, I pray the Lord's Prayer every day. And one of the things I do, I say, Lord, I know people are going to hurt me today. And I just forgive them in advance in Jesus' name. I know people are going to cut me off in trap. I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Forgiveness, unforgiveness is not hurting them, it's hurting you. I like to say it like this. Unforgiveness is like setting yourself on fire and hoping that the other person dies from smoke inhalation. It's destroying you. Set them free. Allow God to restore some things. Here's the third thing. Sever or redefine. I'd put that if you're writing notes. Sever or redefine. Any harmful relationships. And those of married folks, this is not applying to you. You're like, Pastor Brandon told me it's time to cut, it's time to sever. No, I'm not saying that. You, you, you stick together in Jesus' name. But you know what? When I'm talking specifically about the negative relationships that speak into our lives constantly. That the enemy knows if he can get to our relationships, he can get to us. That if he can get to our relationships, he can get to our heart. So constantly, there are wrong relationships at work. There are wrong relationships with people on Facebook. There are wrong relationships all around us that we need God to, to touch our life. And the reality is this, is that affairs are not the result of a moment, of a bad moment. I believe affairs are the result of a bad rhythm. I believe it's a result of a bad rhythm that takes place. And our, and our, our culture doesn't help us with this kind of stuff at all. Because culture has a rhythm with relationships, guys, that's so broken. Over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And if, I, if you could, how many people stay married, but they're living miserable? And they're not in love. And they're not living their God-given purpose. Culture's way of doing relationships, guys, is broken. That's why Romans 12, 1, it's not in your notes, but it just says this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you just fit into it without thinking. So don't be so fit in with the culture and the way the culture does rhythms that you fit into this relational rhythm without even thinking about it. But let God put a rhythm in our life. Our, our cultural rhythm will kill us. I just, here's some aspects of the rhythm of our culture in regard to relationships. Is that there's no sexual boundaries in relationships today if you're dating. That you know what, if, if you're, you know, people told me that, what, Pastor Brent, it's just sex. You know, it's, it's just a physical thing. It's a rhythm of our culture, that if you're with someone, you just sleep together. It's just what you do. It's just part of the rhythm of, of what happens, that you sleep with someone. There's no boundaries. It's just part of the rhythm. It's, it's not weird in our culture. It's not strange. It's, it's just part of what we do in, in the rhythm of culture. That, um, that, that another rhythm is that you just cohabitate, live together before you're married. It's just part of the rhythm of culture. It's just, it's just what culture says this is what you do, and there's even reasoning for it. And it sounds like it makes sense. People say, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it, would you? And I'm like, absolutely not. I wouldn't buy a car without test driving it. But there's one problem with that. I'm not a car. And neither are you. I'm not a 
physical, inanimate object. Like, I'm not an animal, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person with body, soul, spirit, mind, will, and emotions. I'm a spiritual being having an earthly experience, not an earthly, experience, earthly person having a spiritual experience. No, no God created me, not, not me. See, people create cars, so they get to define the rhythm. But God creates people. So could it be that God's rhythm is better than our rhythm? And I want to say this from the bottom of my heart. If, you, if any of this is, is hitting home with you, please understand this. Now, I love you. And this church loves you. And I, I'm not anyway angry. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not speaking into anybody's personal situation at all. I just am, I, I'm just as a pastor out of love saying that I hate what our culture is rhythmically teaching us about relationships because it's just not true. Unless, as a church family, I challenge you, wherever this meets you, whether you're married, whether you're divorced, whether you're single, whether you're a young person that's considering dating, wherever this meets you, wherever you found yourself right now, see, the enemy wants to put guilt and shame, that wants, wants to put blame, all these kind of things. Why don't you just right now, wherever you are in this moment, say, okay, God, I'm going to start today. I'm going to start fresh today and say, give me your rhythms for my relationship instead of me just going along without even thinking about it, God, because I know you know better than me. That's why Proverbs 13, 20 says, he that walks with the wise will grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. In other words, you don't even have to be a fool to to suffer harm. You just got to hang out with foolish people. Here's, Here's... Here's the fourth thing, that we need to initiate some meaningful relationships. I love what Hebrews 10.25 says. It says, let us not give up meeting together. Watch this. As some are in the what? The rhythm of doing, the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, there's a natural rhythm for us just to be loners. A lot of us that... that that, that we just kind of do, you're just kind of doing, doing our own thing and you know, we're busy and we kind of have our world and our life. And I just want to say this, that, that you, we'll never be all that we can be alone. Like God made us to, be, to have a rhythm of, of new relationships in our life. And I challenge you, open up your life to a new relationship in your life. No matter if you've been hurt in the past, maybe you've been hurt by other churches before in the past, don't let any hurt or fear stop you from initiating a new rhythm, a new relationship that will bless your life. Maybe it's time for you to not be a lone ranger Christian and get connected in the body and initiate some of those new relationships along the way. And I want to just really get practical about this last idea on the back of your page. I want to talk about how to master this rhythm of initiating the right relationships. Number one, we need to develop our relationship with my church. You know what? Everybody needs a my church. It doesn't have to be this church. I would love for it to be. We would love for it to be, but you know what? It doesn't have to be this church. That's why we pray for churches every single week across our city because there are wonderful churches in our city. But here's the reality that each and every one of us need a local body of believers that we can be part of because that's a rhythm of our life of initiating new friendships and relationships and people that can pray with us and walk with us and help us that we'll never be able to do this thing alone. Ephesians 2.19 says we're members of God's own family And we belong to God's household with every other Christian. 
that, that, there's, there's, that there's part of this reality that we need to be part. Like, we need to sell out and say, man, this is my, these are my people. Like, this is my, my church. And because uh, and, and the, the reality is that you'll never get the benefits without the commitment. You always have to go all in. It's true in any relationship. That, and, and I understand this, too, that, that there are people every week that come to City Hills that are, that are attending. And, 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 and just that. And I say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart, from the sincerity of my heart. Thank you for being here. We, I pray that this can be a place where it's just a haven where people can just come. And, and sometimes we just, because of situation, we just need to come and sit and just not contribute. We just need to be a part and we need to let God heal us. And I understand that. But here's just what I want to encourage you. Don't stay that way. Like, don't stay that way. Because part of your healing is helping heal other people. Don't stay that way. Don't just have an attender relationship. Go deeper. And we don't even use the word member. If you come, we would love for you to come to Next Steps today. It's step two after the 115 today. And uh, we, what you'll find, we don't use the word member. We use the word owner because we don't invite you to be a member of a church. We invite you to own a church. Because I know people that are members of country clubs that haven't been there in years. I know people, members of church that haven't been there in years. I met someone not, after, not long after I first moved here, and, and they were talking. I was going to be helping them with a, a certain ceremony in their life, and they told me when the first time I met them that they were a member of a church, and then they asked me to do the wedding. I said, why? I thought you were a member at so-and-so. They said, yeah, we hadn't been there in six years. <laughs> Guys, we need to own the church where we say, man, this is my church. Like, I'm excited. I'm going to use my gifts. I'm going to do what I can do to, to be a part, to give what I can. Like, these are my chairs. This, you know what? If, if you're just a member, you say, oh, that's just trash on the floor. Somebody needs to clean the trash. But if you own it, you're going to pick up the trash and put it in your pocket. Why? Because you want somebody to not focus on a dirty environment. You want someone to focus on Jesus and have an encounter with him and be an owner of the local church. Get involved. Invite you, come be a part of what's going on. Here's the second thing develop my relationship with godly friends. Man, this is so good. We all need godly friends. Here's, here's how I define godly friends someone who's lifting you up instead of pushing you down. Do you have people in your life that are lifting you up, or are you just lifting everyone else up? Because that's exhausting. You need some people that'll lift you up, and that, that's what this is all about. I was reading. Uh, the one-year Bible a few weeks ago in First Chronicles chapter 27. And in a seemingly boring part of the Old Testament, it was just all these litany, this litany, this list of all these different leaders and different people in David's, King David's administration. It kind of reads, you think, oh, oh this is not going to be very exciting. But the more and more I got to read it, I was like, wow, this is talking about how grand the scale of David's administration was and all the great things that he did as a leader, as a manager, as an administrator. It was just fascinating. And at the very end of it, he starts giving shout outs to all the people that helped him do all the leadership that he had. And here's what he gave here's the shout outs he gave he said this he said uh, Jonathan David's uncle a wise and literate counsel Jathiel son of Hakamani if you need to name your next child there you go were responsible for rearing the king's sons Ahithophel was the king's counselor and here's what the Lord just highlighted Hushai the archite was the king's friend he didn't say that he did anything of significance he wasn't the administrator. He wasn't the captain of the army. He wasn't the... 
He was just the king's friend. Guys, we need a friend. We need some people that, you know what, we have all, yeah, we have administrators and we have leaders, we have all these things, but you know what, we need some people that are just there in our corner. If David needs a friend, we need a friend. And church, I just want to challenge us today. Open your heart and allow God to bring some people in your life. So, because it's part of our freedom. Your life is not changed in a church service. Your life is changed in the context of relationships. My prayer is that this initiates a change. But you know what? You're going to be changed by the people that, that God, that you and God, that, that surrounded your life. Acts 2.44 says, All the believers met together constantly and shared everything with each other. That's the goal that we have around here, that we want to get you in relationships where you can share with people. We are starting a small group semester on September the 10th. I'm so excited about it. Because small groups are such, small groups are the heart of City Hills because we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. So if you're not in a small group, you're not going to connect with the best of this church because the best is not happening on Sunday morning. It happens at homes and Chick-fil-A's and all the different parts around this this, this city, when people meet about finances and prayer and Bible study and all those things. And we have a free market system, which means you can turn anything into a small group, any topic or idea you have. And some, some, some people are getting out of debt. Some people are learning about different things. But, you know, the reality is it has nothing to do with the information because I've never seen information change someone's life, not one time. So the, 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 the point of the group, whatever it's called, whether it's baking or hiking or studying, the point is to... Get you in a relationship with someone that whenever you're going through a dark season of your life, you can call them up and say, hey, let's get coffee. And you sit across the table from them and you say, hey, I haven't told anybody this, but I just need to share. And God will bring so much life and freedom because God's secrets will make you sick. And you need some relationships in your life. So here's, here's, here's some practical things about this. We have our next... Um, so we have our next small group training next Sunday at 115. And we're, we're, doing it, I, we're doing it two different times. We're doing it next Sunday, the 20th, at 115. And then we're doing it the same identical thing. You don't have to attend both. But if you are wanting to be involved or if you've taught in the past, if you've been a part of small groups in the past, we ask everyone to come back through it. And we're going to do it Thursday, the 24th, at 7 p.m. And if, if you're interested in anything, you maybe say, I'm not ready to lead, but I'd love to help someone. I'd love to administrate. I'd love to co-lead. I'd love to be a part somehow. Hey, come and get involved because, guys, we need to get a rhythm of getting some friends in our life. We need some people that will encourage us. If David needed a friend, guys, we're going to need a friend because God wants to do great things in and through each and every one of us. And we got to have some friends to be able to do it. Amen? Here's the third thing. Develop a relationship with a team. We call our team around here the serve team. Why? Because it's fun to be on a team. It's a blast to be on a team. We had so much fun the other night, man. We were, I don't, I, it was crazy. It was so much fun. Uh, we, 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 were, we were all dressed crazy and having, what was the point? The point was, man, we were just having fun being on a team. And get, you need a team. You need to get some people that you can serve with, make a difference with. We, we, we try to make it as easy as possible here at City Hills for you to hop on a team and, and just get involved. Like, find some way to be a blessing. Find some way to get linked arm in arm. It's not even about what you do. It's about the people you get to do it with. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 8 says, There was a man all alone. 
So he had an issue. He was kind of a lone ranger. He says, but there was no end to his toil. His eyes were not content with his wealth. Why? Because he needed a crew. He needed a team. He says, so two are better than one. Because they have a good return for their labor. So get on a team. Be a part of Next Steps. Talk to Pastor Todd. Why don't you raise your hand, Pastor Todd, right here. in that awesome shirt right there, awesome pink shirt. He's, you should have seen him at the serve party the other night. He was awesome. Come talk to him. Get on a team. We want to get you connected because two are better than one. Make this a rhythm of your life. Make this a rhythm of who you are and watch what God does. This is a God rhythm. Here's the fourth thing, musicians, you could come. Develop a relationship or my relationship with God. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So there's a condition. If you look for God, the condition is wholeheartedly. So of all the relationships that we're talking about today, whether it's our marriage or our, our broken situation that we need to forgive or friendships or things we need to cut away or church situation, above all, the most important thing and the most important question, here's, and I just pray that God would... Speak to someone right here in this moment. Where are you right now in your relationship with God? Not in your relationship with your husband or wife or your kids. Or, but where are you in your relationship with God? Because God never intended to have a religion with you. It's like my wife and I. My wife never intended that we would just have a marriage. What makes the marriage is the relationship. God's not interested in a religion. He's interested in your heart, in a relationship. It says, God, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I grew up a cultural Christian. I was, we had this thing called Bible quizzing. I was a Bible quizzer, which means we would literally learn hundreds of verses uh, and we could quote them and then we would, we would uh, like fight other churches to who could memorize. It was kind of funny when you think about it now. We're going to beat them that study the Bible in Jesus' name. Yeah, kind of a... <laughs> My point is that I, could, I knew a lot of things. I could quote literally hundreds of verses from the Bible. But guys, my heart was so far from God. My body was in church. But I didn't have a relationship with God. And my life totally changed whenever I began to understand that Jesus didn't die so that I could practice a religion for him. But that, so that I could have a relationship with him. And guys, when I started understanding that, I mean, I can nurture a relationship. How do you nurture a relationship with God? Just like you do with any other person. You communicate. You speak their love language. Why around here do we lift our hands? Because it's part of God's love language, everybody. Book of Psalms says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Why do we shout and sing so loud? Because the Bible says, praise them on the loud cymbals. And everything that hath breath, praise you the Lord. We clap our hands. We do these things. Why? Because we're trying to speak his love language. We say, God, I don't want to just, just be in a building with you on Sunday morning, God, but I want to give you my heart every day, every season, wherever I am, God, it's, it's, I want to have a relationship with you. So I want to pray for you today that you would have 
same kind of moment that I had in a service much like this. Where it would transition from being a religion to transform to be a relationship with God. Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, of the power of the Holy Spirit. God, in this place, Lord, that you would release the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that we would get a picture of how much you truly love us. But I pray that you would bind the spirit that tries to blind our minds from how much you care and love us and want to have a relationship with us today. I pray for people that have broken relationships and Lord, they need to sever some things or maybe they need to nurture some things. They, need to, they got a marriage that's... The enemy said it's bad marriage. No, God says it's still... There's still possibility. God, I pray for every person in this place. God, I pray that they would most of all put you first. Their life, if you're here today, no one looking around and you need to give your life to Jesus. Like today, like you need to go all in. This is not a religion for you, but this is a relationship with you. I want to invite you right now to respond to God. No one's looking around. Just lift up your hand. Say, yes, I'm going all in today. I'm going all in today. Yeah. Awesome. That's you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And we're all going to pray this together. Pray with me. Say, Jesus, give my life to you today. Fill me with your spirit. Change me from the inside out. Heal me. Save me. Deliver me, God. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I follow you. In Jesus' name, give my life to you. Amen, amen, amen. Church, why don't we just stand to our feet?